Hi, welcome to Upfront. My name's Rachel. This is a podcast where nurse practitioners come together to share, discuss challenges, and inspire. The goal of this podcast is to bring NPs together and build a community and a profession that can often feel isolating. We're here to learn more about NPs working in Canada, why they do what they do, what they love about their jobs, and what inspires them to continue doing the work they do. So welcome here today. We have Erin here with us. Uh, We're just finishing up a shift here at McGregor Walk-In Connected Care and and taking some time to record this podcast and ask Erin a few questions. So Erin, tell me a little bit about your, let's start with your registered nursing background. You went to the University of Manitoba and then once you graduated, what, what did that look like? I worked for three years, first of all, in uh, acute care medicine unit at St. Boniface Hospital. And then when I applied to the nurse practitioner program, I started, I left St. Boniface Hospital and I went to the Grace Hospital and worked as a float nurse there. Okay. And then so what, uh, what kind of prompted you to get into the NP line of work? That was kind of the plan all along. Um, it, oh. Yeah. Prior to going into nursing in the first place. I looked at pretty much every career option under the sun, um, and I knew I was interested in investigative uh, scientific work, but I also wanted to have general, like, caring human interactions on a daily mm-hmm. basis. I didn't want to be like a pharmacist being behind the counter as much. Mm-hmm. Not that they can't have those human interactions, but I just wanted more direct contact with people. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching into different careers, and then did a bunch of Myers-Briggs type personality. Oh, yeah? Yeah, those okay. kinds of things. And so, surprisingly, you know, I'd get a lot of different careers, but nurse practitioner would always pop up in a, oh, number, really? of the, yeah, a number of different tests I did. So I thought, I don't know if I really want to work in a hospital long term, but I think my goal would be to go into the nurse practitioner program. So that's what I ended up yeah, doing. Yeah, so you hadn't done any sort of primary care work before this then? No, I did a bachelor of science in biology and I thought I wanted to be a wildlife biologist and then I applied to pharmacy and got in there and decided not to go and oh really environmental science and decided not to go so yeah okay and then here you are working in the community so what was one of the biggest um I guess differences so you're coming from a hospital setting and then moving Mm -hmm. out to the community in in the hospital did you kind of see um or did you have this idea in your mind of what primary care was like and then it was different from when you moved out to primary care or what, or what you expected? I guess I didn't really think too much about what being in primary care sure. would be like. I just knew that I wanted, I knew that I would kind of excel and that I would thrive in an environment where I was more one-on-one with patients mm. and where, yeah, just where I had a little bit more independence and I didn't feel like such a cog in the wheel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what? Uh, so we're here at McGregor now. Mm-hmm. The shifts are from eleven thirty usually till about uh, till eight o'clock. So what does a day here look like for you? Well, typical <laughs> day. We start. Uh, we come here a half hour prior to the doors opening, and uh, we kind of look at our workload, look at our documents that came in for the night before, kind of prepare for our day, and then we have our little huddle about 10 minutes before the doors open. We just talk about things that we need to do for the day. If we need to book some time off to check over some documents or do extra work. Um, and then just like hang out and see how everybody's doing. And then typically we see patients on a walk-in basis, usually about 15 minute appointments longer, of course, if they're more complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, this um, clinic is nurse practitioner and primary care nurse led. 
So there are no physicians on site. So sometimes the primary care nurse will see a lot of the vaccinations, um, the STI cases, dressing changes, things like that. And sometimes they'll triage patients to us as well. So if something is kind of beyond their scope or they feel that somebody needs something from the nurse practitioner before discharge, then they'll triage the person to us. Otherwise, um, basically we just keep on seeing patients in the order that they came in. Unless, Mm -hmm. of course, there's somebody really acute that we need to see ahead of everybody else, like chest pain or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have had to, uh, and, and kind of figuring out where they need to go from here so, mm-hmm. so we, we do have some physicians we can connect them with through mm-hmm. our our um i guess partner location is akins is one of the one of the locations we connect with them or um pointing them towards the family doctor finder is also something they can be connected with a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner in that way as well mm-hmm. but i guess a lot of people coming in here often they, they either can't get in to see their provider or mm-hmm. they aren't sure who they are maybe or mm-hmm. they they haven't had one for a while so we have to really figure out kind of what where they need to go go next yeah and in this particular like i don't know if you knew much about the quick care clinics before oh yeah tell us a bit about yeah those. so this is actually the original quick care clinic that's oh. in the city so and now it's of course walk-in connected care so this is the only clinic location of all the quick cares that remained open okay and so i think a big part of it was the demonstrated value and need of the services we provided in the downtown point douglas community and we're attached to the mama way building i'm not going to say the full name because i'll slaughter the translation (laughs) the slaughter the pronunciation of it yeah but it translates from ojibwe into the phrase we all work together to help one another so it's a strength and value-based family resource center that delivers community-based programs and services. So we have strong connection. That's right downstairs mm-hmm. and we're on the second floor. So it's um, and, um, it yeah. would be a great loss to the community if we were Yeah, I can here. see that. I haven't yeah. been here for very long and I can definitely see that. And they're always busy there. I very. even We were thinking about recording in a room that was kind of closer to to yeah. uh, where Mama Way would be, but it was a little bit loud. So I thought yeah. I opted for this room. <laughs> Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So here, so yeah, some of the other access centers, they'll have physicians, they'll have, yeah, primary care NPs, they'll have dietitians, midwives kind of, but this clinic is really just nurse practitioners and a primary care nurse. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as far as, so that's a day in the life, and then you were here when it was a, when it was a quick care clinic, and that changed over a few years ago, I guess? Yeah, I started in 2014. I was at the St. Mary location of Quick Care, and then I was at Dakota, and then um, at Vermilion. And then with all the layoffs that happened and whatnot, I ended up, I knew I, I still wanted to remain mm-hmm. here, so I moved to this location. I'm really happy that I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as outside of working in a clinic setting, have you done any other, like, continuing education or any research, anything like that you want to share with us? Yeah, um, my interest pretty much lies in direct patient care uh, and and researching into different health conditions and treatments. Um, I do serve as a mentor and a preceptor for new NP hires and for students from the uh, University of Manitoba or University of Athabasca programs, and I really enjoy that. I'm not involved with any scholastic research per se, um, but if I was to, I think I'd be most inclined to collaborate uh, with colleagues to create some sort of document that demonstrates the disparities in our healthcare system. Mm. And um, 
be able to actually provide specific data on how utilizing NPs can improve access to healthcare and improve patient satisfaction and reduce the burden on the ERs and save money. Um, so as far as extra training goes, I'm continuously taking courses online through websites like MD Briefcase, just getting those course certifications and participating in the uh, CPD courses at the University of Manitoba, the Continuing Professional Development. Um, There's also the MEDS conference that happens and the NPAM conferences. And then I did the opioid replacement therapy course, as you did, Mm -hmm, the methadone course, which is really good. Um, Need to do my practicum for that still yeah okay so, yeah and what's md briefcase i haven't heard of that one it's just an online learning uh it they give credits you know how physicians get credits and they need to right. yeah. get a certain amount of credits each year well they offer credits uh for completing the course but it's just something i'll show you how to okay get access cool. to those different things and they send it through your work email and you know here's the latest update on copd and then you do a quiz or learning activity for it oh, okay yeah that's good yeah. to know uh, so as far as being here at the clinic in primary care, what is one of the biggest challenges you've encountered as an NP, either here at McGregor or in any of your other areas as an NP? Like, I, w- I would say the biggest challenge that I encounter in general is not related to this particular environment. Uh, I think it comes from the fact that the vast majority of, of us yourselves from a nursing philosophy of health that's great we're lumped but we're lumped into a broad category of nurse with no particular appreciation for our level of specialty or scope of practice um so we belong in the same union as nurses as a whole and there's there's a relatively low number of nps compared to the broad population Mm -hmm. of rns so we don't really have much of a voice when it comes to advocating or bargaining for our rights or concerns um, and I think that the healthcare system is still very patriarchal and nursing is still kind of an oppressed profession. Um, and I don't think there aren't enough nurses with frontline experience in powerful roles in our health authorities yeah. or government sectors. So, I mean, I think that the general consensus from friends and our colleagues, physicians, the general public is that we're of great value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the quote-unquote healthcare system or the government seems to recognize it. So uh, that's frustrating. But, I mean, in my day-to-day role, I guess the only other thing I find challenging is, uh, you, well, you just see on a daily basis how many people aren't connected with a primary care provider. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to provide them help. But even us, when we refer to a maybe the family doctor finder or connector, um, it's still going to take months and months right. for people to yeah. connect with somebody. So it's great that there's that resource for <clears throat> us to refer people, but the reality is it's still taking a very yeah. long time. Yeah, so. I definitely, I touched on that in one of my, one of the, I think it was the last episode I did just saying like, yeah, working from a walking clinic capacity is uh, definitely an art in that we know it'll take weeks, sometimes months to even connect with that program. Mm-hmm. So then in the meanwhile, where, where do they need to go for care? And often they end up, we say like, well, you can come back here for <laughs> to follow up, you know, once we get their blood work back, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal because there's certainly lots of different people working and 
Yeah, and you just see people that you really wish they had somebody to work as a partner with them for their healthcare needs. And you see people falling through the cracks all the time and don't have somebody to follow up with on a regular basis. And they end up coming to us, which is good, and we can help them as much as we can, but there's not continuity of care for that person. Right, yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of disheartening. It's like you feel, I want to do more to help this person, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. And then in a broader perspective, even like the work that the Nurse Practitioner Association of Manitoba is doing, I can see even then that is frustrating because they're also trying to work with MNU and then the Association mm. of Registered Nurses and, and certainly with lots of changes in, in recent years, it is um, and almost has to be very nursing focused just generally. But mm -hmm. then as, as nurse practitioners that, yeah, it's hard to, to feel like we're we're moving forward in our world. It still feels like a very new profession, even though it's yeah. been around for, yeah. True. for a long time. Yeah. And the numbers, there's only about 200 some, I think, in, in yeah, Manitoba. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not well versed on statistics or anything like that. Yeah. I think, yeah. not yeah, as if I know, but yeah, I, I think I, it's about 200. Maybe I, I know in Ontario, for example, they have over a thousand nurse practitioners and certainly more people there as well. But yeah, when I was at the the annual general meeting last night for for the union um, it, we re we represent such a small such a small percentage yeah. of the the nurses that when it comes to and I don't don't trust me I, I shouldn't even speak on this because I don't know much about union stuff but mm -hmm. um, we represent such a such a minority that are basically anything that we would hope to change within the union or hope to bring forward as issues for nurse practitioners is going to be um, not taken. It's we'll going to be very wait. minor We'll concern. have to wait. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait. It's the numbers and there's, yeah, there's certainly more nurses and they have a lot, they have a lot going on in general and yeah. including just even our, our contract that we have. So then as a nurse practitioner, yeah, certain things. And for that reason, I think, yeah, it is important kind of what you said with the research, like people moving ahead and doing um, research, especially focusing on kind of what NPs have, have brought to the mm -hmm. table and, and how that could be utilized better in our in our healthcare system. Uh, so name one high that you've experienced in your role as an NP. You know, there's many there's many great moments. Uh, I can't name one in particular at all. Uh, they're pretty simple, though. It's when a patient will tell you that they feel very comfortable coming here, that they feel heard, that they feel safe, that their concerns are actually taken seriously. Um, or when you see somebody get a smile on their face and the spark back in them mm -hmm. after they've had a lengthy battle with addiction or depression, I'd say that's that's the most satisfying. Yeah, moments. cool. Yeah. And now what's one thing that our, our healthcare system is a large, intricate, messy uh, <laughs> thing, system. <laughs> so what's one thing that our, we can say just the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, what's one thing we do very well and what's one thing that we could work on as a, as a region? Well, I would say that one thing that we do well is we have up-to-date technology in the clinics and... Um, there's a strong accreditation process mm -hmm. for uh, the workplace. And, um, I mean, they're starting to recognize, well, I shouldn't say starting to. There's recognition of the importance of interdisciplinary collaboration in supporting best health outcomes, mm -hmm. such as the access centers having all of those kinds of different professions under one roof. 
social work, psychiatry, counseling, nurse practitioners, physicians, PAs. Um, so yeah, that's, I think they're moving in the right direction with mm-hmm. the access centers. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a fairly new part of our And also city, the fact that we have like... universal healthcare. It's yeah, beneficial. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what is one personal quality for yourself that you think helps you thrive in your current role? Well, I, I'm just really passionate about the work that I do here. I yeah. honestly, I don't want to be anywhere else. So I think that when you love something, it really shows and, and then people, people can see that and they feel that, you know, I want to go to a primary care provider that I can tell really loves their job. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I can yeah. tell that as well. I've only worked with you for a month <laughs> or two months, I guess, but it, you definitely seem like you enjoy it. Yeah, I do. So yeah, the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority is doing a good job with those access centers, and they do still feel fairly new to our city. But what's um, so now? What's something that our our healthcare system or the WRHA in particular in your area of work and through your lens as an NP and as a nurse? What uh, what is something they can work on? we can work on <laughs> well, yeah the la- like there's still a lack of funding for mental health uh there's a lot more awareness about the importance of mental health but it would be wonderful if things like counseling um and different physical therapy modalities were available to patients were more accessible to patients and more affordable to complement standard Western medical approach to medicine Uh, and as mentioned before I think there are many barriers that are affecting the optimal use of NPs in primary care delivery so it prevents us from maximizing our efforts to reduce healthcare disparities so uh, there's like there's the consensus that patients are very frustrated with the long wait times difficulty accessing care so it's extremely frustrating that cuts continue to be made, healthcare personnel continue to be underappreciated and underutilized, even though there's such a demand mm-hmm. for those services. So, yeah. yeah, and as far as so even connecting them easily with, so if they have non-insured health benefits, I think they can get some physio, for example, or some sort of other. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how easily. Yeah, that happens, I've looked but. into that, and it's, it's quite difficult. You can't just say, oh, you need a massage and go for that. It's not generally covered under non-insured okay. health benefits and not under EI. Yeah, so those types of like non-pharmacological methods, it would be helpful if we had maybe more access to, to that if you don't have great insurance. Exactly. Is that something we would, you know, if someone comes in looking for pain control, for example, that would right. be something that we can kind of point them Absolutely. in that direction. Absolutely, yeah. and not say you have to have, I mean... Not sure if this falls within the responsibility of the WRHA itself. I don't know how the grand scheme of healthcare economics mm-hmm. works, but I think there should be greater access to those uh, those other areas where we can help improve, like help somebody improve their health. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be here's a pill. Um, it can be go get a massage, mm-hmm. go get some physical therapy. You know, you need to talk to somebody here's some counseling resources that are available yeah. and that they'd actually be able to access rather than have to wait for like two months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great demand for like the anxiety clinic, for example, at St. Boniface and often 
it's like a year wait time. Yeah, so. it's very long. Or someone might not be comfortable in doing it in a group setting. I've heard that true. as well because yeah. often at, um, at HSC, some of their mental health resources, it's more group. Yeah. So I think, I, I mean, I'm interested in looking into even online things we can point them towards. I haven't yeah. done too much of that yet, but I think there are, you know, modules people do. If they have access to a computer, that would be that would be one thing. Right. And then even with physio, back to that, I know up in Flin Flon, for example, I can send a referral to physio, but then, uh, and it would be covered by the, by the region, but then okay. there is a long wait for that. Right, right. So, yeah. um, even for me, myself having, you know, going to different websites that I know have some good exercises, maybe they can try mm-hmm. out yeah. of that. Like just, I print a lot of things. Out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be nice to, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to just have more, more resources and that's hard and more mm-hmm. money. I mean, it all comes down to, yeah, yeah I don't know how the yeah. economics of that <laughs> works either. Yeah. I could speak more eloquently on that if I, if I really knew my stuff when it came to, <laughs> yeah. but we're doing the best with the, with what we have. Yeah. We can, we can hope. So what inspires you? I guess that kind of ties in with that. What inspires you to continue doing the work you're doing? Yep. It's the positive changes that you see in the lives around you. Uh, supportive colleagues in management mm-hmm. play a huge role. Um, and then the recognition from the clients that we're of great value to them and that we're, we're definitely helping them achieve their goals. So that's what inspires me. And also the fellow nurse practitioners, we're such a strong group. Yeah. My colleagues really inspire me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for being uh, on this podcast today. It was great to hear from you after a long day of work. <laughs> You're welcome. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Just a few quick announcements. I found out the other day that the NP program at the University of Manitoba did a recent collaboration with the dentistry and dental hygiene students at the U of M. The dental students had an opportunity to look at what the primary care side of things would look like with patients and the NP students were able to learn a bit more about oral health and the effect it can have on certain chronic inflammatory diseases. Kind of cool. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Speaking of collaboration, I also happened upon an article on proton pump inhibitors in the Journal for Nurse Practitioners written by a former classmate and professor of mine. The article highlights the importance of PPI stewardship in order to optimize their use in primary care, and it also discusses the importance of de-prescribing these often neglected medications. I'll leave a link to the journal article in the show notes, and if you don't have access yourself, you can request it from your regional library. I have a PDF as well if you'd like it emailed to you. If you or anyone you know has published an article or has something you'd like highlighted, please let me know at upfrontnp at gmail.com. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening.